This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Now, this morning we're going to continue our sermon series. Our series is initially entitled Life Path. And that's what we're talking about, the different paths of life. And in this, we get a subtitle that's talking about the, the changing seasons of life. Life never remains the same. There's something always changing in our life. Different seasons will always change in our life. And that's what this particular series is dealing with. When we began this series, we started with the foundation sermon that was talking about the probability, the uh, fact of how that uh, changing of the seasons of our life take place more often than we would prefer. And so I spent a lot of time with that first sermon dealing with how seasons are going to change. The second sermon that we preached in the series was dealing with the changing seasons of temptation. We all have temptation in our life, every one of us. And uh, we spent a great deal of time with that. We spent two particular Sundays, both of them from my home. And I hope that you got to watch those particular services. And we were dealing with the season of failure. We dealt with part one and part two. Today's message is dealing with the season of depression. And we're going to see what the word of God says about that. Uh, because there's a lot of people today that's being affected what, what's going on in the world today with so many different issues and uh, so many people are overwhelmed today. We're going to be talking about this. What does the word of God say about depression? We're going to be talking about that. Now, the, the sermon is going to be so, I think, complicated this morning that Without question, it's going to take us into a part two, and I'm not real sure right now whether or not a part three. I hope and pray that it's going to be a blessing to you. Dealing with the season of depression. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, while you're turning to that passage of scripture, let me ask this question to you. How many times do you think that the devil has played with your mind, has got into your thought process to make you think that he has you right where he wants you to be? Now, I think it's probably important for us to always strive as Christians to without question to be where we would know God would have us to be. There's a couple of things about being where God wants us to be. There's what is called the permissive will of God and there is what is called the perfect will of God. Most people live in the permissive will of God because we forfeited a lot of opportunities of the past. Some of us are fortunate enough to be living in the perfect will of God. Both of them are holy and acceptable unto God. God is not going to kick any of us to the curb just because we are not in his perfect will. I want you to understand that. But let me ask you the question. How many times in your life has the devil tried to make you think, I have you exactly where I want you to be? That there's no need to pray? 
anymore. God's finished with you, that there's no need to try. And you felt like that everything in your life was hopeless. Think about that. Has the devil ever made you think that everything going on in your life was hopeless? That you felt like that life itself was being sucked out or vacuumed out of your bones? Well, this morning I'm going to be dealing with winning the battle over that and dealing with the changing season of depression. Now, I've asked you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read for you verse number 15. But I will tell you, because of the subject that we're dealing with today, and because of this verse, it's very important for me to give you some background that would lead us up to this verse. Because if I just gave you the verse... There's a lot of sort of like the fill in the blanks that you would not have. And I want to say that it's going to be complicated. So you're going to have to stay with me in thought and in spirit. If you lose me, you'll lose a dynamic that's very important in setting the cornerstone of this particular message. Because again, and I'm going to repeat this repetitiously, depression is something that affects us all. So it's very important that I give you the background to this particular scripture. And of course, you can go back and reread it again, but I want you to have the essence of what we're talking about. Now, I want you to look with me in chapter 20, verse number 15, and then I'm going to give you the background of the scripture. The Bible says, and he said, Jehazel, and he said, hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason. I was sharing with someone this week, listen very carefully, one of the most potent weapons of the enemy is fear. One of the most dramatical things that the enemy and when I say the enemy, who are we talking about? Obviously, we're not talking about one another. We're not the enemy. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. When we talk about the enemy, we're talking about the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub. We're talking about the fallen angels. We're talking about the demons of hell. So when I say the enemy, that's what I'm talking about. And one of the most important things that we have to remember is this. God has not given us the spirit of fear. But I assure you that one of the most potent weapons that Satan or the enemy uses against us is fear. He will come and intimidate us. He will come against us. In every capacity and every framework of life, the devil comes to us and he would use the weapon of fear against us. Now, having understood that, look at this passage of Scripture. The word is saying, be not afraid, nor dismayed. Do you remember after 400 years of silence, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When Malachi the prophet laid his pen down, after God was audibly and visibly working in the Old Testament among the prophets, when Malachi laid his pen down, 
I don't know how many of you understand this, but there were 400 years between Malachi and the gospel of Matthew, and those were called the silent years of the scripture. God did not speak in 400 years. God did not show himself, manifest himself as he did in the Old Testament as appearing in the burning bush and those kind of things. God did not do it. For 400 years, God did not speak audibly. God did not manifest himself audibly. But the very first thing that God did when the New Testament age began, when the age of grace began, the first thing that God allowed to happen as a voice piece of himself after 400 years of silence, do you remember? Angels started popping out of the woodwork and their message was, fear not, fear not, fear not. Over and over again, that was the message after 400 years of silence. So you think about this, you read the scripture, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. I'm going to explain all of that as best as I can in these very few moments. And I hope that would help you to put this puzzle together today. For the battle, listen carefully, the battle is not yours. Are you trying to win the battles of your life in your own strength? Are you trying to win the battles of your life based upon human ingenuity, uh, based upon what you can study, what you can read, what you can figure out? And have you completely left out the power of God and the whole ramification of that aspect? Listen carefully. The battle is not yours. According to the word of God, the battle is God's. And so I want you to think about that. And I've chosen this passage of scripture this morning to be the cornerstone for this particular message on the seasonal change in our life dealing with depression. Now the story behind this passage of scripture, as I've already mentioned, is rather complicated and I want you to stay with me. I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible, but you have to get these facts. There was a particular time in the history of the nation of Israel when it was a divided kingdom. That's important. When Israel was a divided kingdom, listen carefully, King Ahab was the king of Israel. And King Ahab was a very wicked, idolatrous heathenistic type of an individual. He was the king of Israel. But Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah. Israel had split right down the middle. Ahab, the wicked king, was the reigning king of Israel and Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Again, Ahab being wicked, however, Jehoshaphat was a very godly man. So remember, the kingdom is divided. It is ruled by a very wicked man on one aspect, and on the other, it is ruled by a very godly man. But unbelievably, in the midst of their reign, King Ahab, the wicked king, 
and King Jehoshaphat, the godly king, they came together to form a partnership for aggressive hostilities that were surrounding them. They yoked together. They became partners together in war. And what that was like when Ahab affiliated with Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat affiliated with Ahab and they came together as a team, it was like blending darkness with light. And that's certainly something that the word of God teaches us not to do. The Bible has called us as believers to come out of darkness. The Bible has called us as believers to let our light so shine that others can see the good works that God has done us, done within us and to glorify our God in heaven. So this is very contrary. You have to understand this. This is very contrary to God and God's nature and God's personality for these two to come together in the manner and form in which they did. It was like blending morality with immorality. That's the extreme nature that this was. Now, here is the thing where you might say, well, preacher, what would make this godly king associate himself with this wicked king? And why would they come together and form a partnership? The bond between these two kings was the fact that Jehoshaphat's son, the godly king's son, married King Ahab's daughter. So are you with me thus far? This is how the godly king became an associate with the wicked king. The godly king's son married the wicked king's daughter. This is how these two families united and came together. And I will tell you that it was not God's will. God has never called us to yoke ourselves up with unbelievers and the spirit of darkness. He says, come out from among you and be you separate, saith the Lord God. And so that's a Bible principle all the way through the word of God. Now, here's the thing. The reason why these two kings hooked up to begin with because there were aggressing armies around them with the common goal of doing them both in. And so there was a war. As the war took place, King Ahab, the wicked king, was killed. You have to understand this. And that's an interesting story all in itself. He was killed in a place called Ramoth Gilead. I know that's deep and that's really not the message today. And in fact, if you want to know the happenings that took place prior to this scripture in 2 Chronicles 20. You can go back and read chapter 18 and 19 and it will carry you all the way through. You'll have a better understanding even at home. But the bottom line is this, Ahab was killed in the battle. Now there was a man who came on the scene after Ahab, the wicked king, was killed in the battle. His name was Jehu. Many of these names that I'm giving you this morning, you're not familiar with. You're not familiar with Jehoshaphat. I believe certainly you're not, well, unless you study the word of God on a regular basis, you're not very familiar with this man named Jehu. 
But when Ahab was killed, there was a man by the name of Jehu who went to the godly king Jehoshaphat. And Jehu, he rebukes Jehoshaphat, the godly king. He is saying this to the godly king. He says, what you have done in associating yourself with the wicked king Ahab, you have very much so displeased God. You've upset God. What you have done is not of God. So Jehu is sort of like the Naaman in the scripture who goes up to David and says, thou art the man. So Jehu now is having this conversation with Jehoshaphat for hooking up with Ahab. And because of the chastisement, because Jehu was sort of like in his face, he was confronting him with the truth. He was confronting him with his wickedness, what he had done. You have displeased God. Now, as a result of that, Jehoshaphat repented. He said, you're absolutely right. What I have done, I should not have done. So Jehoshaphat, he got back to doing the work and the will of God. But it wasn't long after that, that Jehoshaphat found himself once again among enemy aggression. And this time he was dealing with the Moabites. He was dealing with the Ammonites. And he got very scared. He got very nervous. In fact, when you study this, Jehoshaphat got very depressed. He realized that the enemy aggression was far too much for him. He had already displeased the Lord by getting associated with King Ahab. And now he was once again facing an enemy aggression. This particular battle, he did not have the reinforcements that he had previous with Ahab and his army. So Jehoshaphat is getting very nervous. He's getting very scared. And as he contemplates the battle and as he contemplates the strength of the enemy, he begins to get very depressed. And in his depression, the word of God says he started fasting. Now, by the way, I don't know how many of you have ever fasted in your life. There are different types of fasting, by the way. Fasting doesn't always mean no food or water. And really, it never means no water. I wouldn't advise any of you to be fasting unless you have got with God, unless God's Holy Spirit has spoken to your spirit that you know that this is what God's leading you to do. By the way, fasting works. There's power in prayer and fasting. Have you ever fasted because of a problem you're going through? Let me remind you of something. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And we are all definitely in a spiritual warfare. Jehoshaphat now is depressed. His countenance has changed. His spirit is wounded. And a result of that, he is now seeking the face of God. He is now seeking the Lord. And so then, as a result of that, God sent another messenger. God sent a man by the name of Jehaziel. And this messenger came to Jehoshaphat with great assurance, with great comfort. You know, that's a ministry that we all should be engaged in is the, is the ministry of encouragement. 
There's a lot of people today that's engaged in the ministry of discouragement. You probably know many people that could discourage you at the drop of a hat. Maybe they say sometimes unkind things. Maybe they say unwelcome things. Maybe they say things that hurt your feelings. Maybe they say something that cringes your spirit. You know people like that. But listen, the church of the living God, we need to be associated. We need to be involved in the ministry of encouragement. You would be surprised. I read this list to you just a few moments ago, and I went through it as fast as I could. Every single person on this list needs encouragement. All of us can be a, listen, you might say, well, I can't come down there and clean the church. I can't come down there and cut that grass. I can't go down there and paint those walls. I cannot go down there and move those chairs. But listen, every single one of us can pray. All of us can pray. And we can pray, God, I would ask you in Jesus' name as I pray for each and every one of these, is there something that I could do? Can I involve myself in any of these people's lives? Can I be a difference? Can I help make a difference in them? And so Jehazel comes to him, Jehoshaphat, with a word of encouragement. When Jehoshaphat now is dealing with overwhelming depression and obstacles, Jehazel assures him of this one thing. He says, Jehoshaphat, God knows you have a wounded spirit. God knows you're dealing with adversity. God knows that you have crippled in your, in your, with your anxieties. God knows what you're dealing with, but he says this, be encouraged, Jehoshaphat. Don't let this depression overwhelm you. Don't let it overtake you. Don't let it paralyze you. He said, because Jehoshaphat, listen, and I can almost see Jehaziel putting his hands on the cheeks of Jehoshaphat and saying, listen carefully to me. As God lives, thus saith the Lord, be of good cheer. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. And this is the thing that I want you to understand this morning. No matter what you're going through and what you're dealing with right now, if you try to win the battle of the most inner, dark, depressing things of your life, if you try to win this battle alone, if you try to win it by yourself, if you try to win it on your own strength, let me remind you of something in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Can I have a witness this morning? But Paul said it this way, but I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You see, the battle is not ours. We are nothing without God. What good would that little stone have done that David picked out of the valley of Elah? What good would that rock have done David if God, the power of God, had not been behind it? We are nothing without the power of God. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so listen carefully, you might be facing some overwhelming obstacles in your life right now, things that have crushed and wounded your spirit. Maybe things have driven you to the place of fear. Uncertainty will certainly do that to us. 
Maybe today that you are overwhelmed with that. You feel like things are closing in on all sides of your life. Maybe that you feel that all of your strength is gone. All of your happiness is gone. All of your motivation is gone. All of your sense of caring is gone. All of that you feel like somehow has been snatched away from you. Let me remind you something that as a believer that all of our battles and all of our struggles belong to God. The battle is the Lord's. And so this is the background of where Jehoshaphat finds himself in a very low moment, in a very low point of his life. We have all been in low moments. We have all had low points. We have all had places where we did not know what to expect. We've all been in places where we did not know what was going to come around the next corner. And I can look out from the pulpit today, and there are so many here this morning that I can share a personal testimony with. There are so many people this morning that are watching by internet I can also identify with. And some of you that are watching right now, you know very well what I'm talking about. There are many of us who have been in dark, desperate moments where things and where the enemy had used his most potent weapon, the weapon of fear, he has driven us to our knees. He has crippled us in our spirit. He has paralyzed us where we felt like we were immobilized and could not take another step. Listen, we have all been in those places. Every one of us has have faced those kinds of circumstances in our life. I will tell you this, that depression is something that happens to us all. And it's a season of life that comes in and creeps in. And it sort of like shakes some of the core foundations of our faith. And most of the time we cannot help it. And the reason why is because we have a human nature. We're humans. Let me say this, that when I look out across this congregation, now I've, I've stood in the valleys of the shadow of death with some of you this morning. I've been there. I remember when Sister Phyllis Hendricks was going through a very dark time in her life in the hospital and uh, there, was, there was some kidney issues or something going on in your life and I can remember this. Uh, I saw her in that, that moment when I didn't know if God was going to bring her through. I didn't know what God was going to do. You know what I did? I walked up to the nurse's station and I said, if it would take my kidney to help her live, Let's get it on. Let's do it. I have been in a situation, Sister Rose, when you've been in the hospital, and we didn't know what was going to happen from one night to the next. You know, Lewis, we've been there. There have been certain circumstances I look out across this congregation and I see people sitting here today. My dad, we, we did not know from one day to the next. We didn't know from a Monday to a Tuesday what was going to happen, but God has raised you up. 
I look out across this congregation and Sister Susie, I see you sitting back there. Let me tell you something. There was a day that you were on the flat of your back for years. Brother Harold, you know what I'm talking about. There are so many people sitting here today where you did not know what tomorrow would bring. And let me tell you this, it's happened to me. I can remember that and I've had two back surgeries before. I'm looking properly at another one. I know what Adam's gone through. The other day, the ladies were back here working in the baptismal room. And, and let me tell you, after being here for 40 years, that there's not a place in this church house where I cannot walk almost blindfolded. I, I know this place from front to back. The ladies were working back here in the baptismal room. It was getting close to lunchtime. And I said, I'm going to go check on the ladies and, and see if I can go get them something for lunch. And I went back there and I got their lunch order and I came. And let me tell you, I got to this place right here and, and I missed the whole step. And when I landed, Brother Lonnie, I was where you are. It was like Someone had thrown, physically thrown my body off of the platform. I missed the step. And when I hit, I knew that the previous surgery that I had was completely train wrecked. I'm speaking to you this morning in, in pain. And I will tell you this, when I had those two other surgeries in my life, I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you today? Can I, be, can I be a human being and a pastor to you today? Let me tell you this. When I had that surgery, the last one I had, the enemy came to me. And you know what he did? He depressed me. He depressed me because this is what the devil knows about me. He knows about how, how important it is for me to be here. He, he knows what I would do to be here. I can remember on one particular Sunday morning, let me tell you this, we had, we had a philosophy years ago and, and we lived by it. I would have died by it. God has changed my whole perspective and my whole thinking about that. But back in those days, we had a philosophy that we never closed, no matter what. Hurricanes, tsunami, tornadoes, it didn't matter. If there were volcanic explosions, it didn't matter. If lava was flowing through the streets of Malothian up and down Buford Road, listen, we were going to be in church. It did not matter to me where two or three are gathered together. That was my philosophy. And I can remember on one particular Sunday morning. Now, I'll tell you, we had so many snowstorms. And that we were here. I can remember, I don't know if you remember this, Stephanie, but there were many years ago, we had a bad snowstorm on Sunday morning. I'll tell you what, I was going to fight hell all by myself if I had to. I was going to be in church by myself if I had to. And when I came to the church house, there were eight people sitting on that front row. I can remember one Sunday morning, we had a blizzard. And I got out there I'm telling you right now, I was crying. I was shoveling snow. Snow was up to my knees, and it was getting closer to the level of the porch. And I was out there shoveling snow, and I told my wife, you remember this? I said, I'm going to shovel this snow until I get that car out of there. And I said, she said, ain't nobody going to be there. I said, I know it. I said, but I'll be there. I said, the devil knows right now what he's doing to me. I know what he's doing to me. And let me tell you this. I got out there and I started shoveling snow 
till I could not physically move my body another inch. And when I got down there to that back tire and it was snowing as, as fast as I was moving it out of the way, the fastest it was coming. And she came out there and she said, nobody's coming. I said, I know. I said, and if I can't get this car out of the driveway, I said, I'm going to walk. And, and I meant it. And I got to the place where I could not pick up the shovel anymore. Just dropped it where it was. And I hung my head and wept because it was the first time. I would have walked from Archway Road to this church house if I could have. When I gave it up, listen, those were the days we didn't have one cause. Those are the days we didn't have internet. Those were the days we didn't even have a cell phone. Let me tell you something. Can anybody in here other than me remember the day when you didn't have a cell phone? Just think about that. 20 years ago, you didn't have a cell phone. I didn't even know what a cell phone was. And the, you, how many in here remember what a party line was? Let me see your hand. You know what a party line is? You can remember that? I have no clue, I'll tell you that. But let me say this. <laughs> but they said if you had a party line, you had to be careful with it. But I remember walking to the house on that particular day. And let me tell you something, the devil started dealing with me. He said, look at you, you fool. Nobody would have been there anyway. Are you happy with yourself? Now look at what you did. You got yourself out there. You tried to dig yourself out and look what's happening. It's snow even more so now than what it was then. You're not going to church. And let me tell you something, the devil started working on me and started depressing me. But I got through that. That was... When I look at some of the other times in my life that I've been depressed, that was nothing that was like Mickey Mouse stuff. But I can remember after having that back surgery, I can remember that the devil started playing with my mind. He started doing things to my head and my heart that, that he took me to a place where I had never really been before. And that was bad. And I know that there may be something out there for me about doing that again, certainly not now. I don't have time for it. Maybe sometime in January, I don't know. But here's the thing. I've seen the devil come to me at different times in my life, and that was one of the highlights that he had for me. But then I can remember another time in my life with the burdens and the toils of the ministry that just so overwhelmed me well, I just said, God, take me home. I don't know that I can do this anymore, Lord. I, I don't know that there's another message I can preach. I don't know there's another spiritual truth that I can share. I don't know that there's anything else that I can do. Oh, God, I feel like I'm done. And if you would take me, I beg you in Jesus' name to do it. It was so overwhelming at that particular point in my life that I remember I had to call Brother Adam and Brother Danny to my bedside. I was paralyzed with fear. Let me ask you something. 
Have you ever been that way? I have been to the bottom of the ocean with fear. I've been to the bottom of the ocean with depression. Depression is something that happens to all of us, and if we're going to admit it or be honest with ourselves, we would admit it. It's a changing season of our life. Many people are dealing with it. Right now, there might be some people that's dealing with it within themselves. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with depression. You're dealing with some issues that are going on within your family. But all of us, to some way or another, to some degree, are going to deal with it. The God's Word talks about it. God's Word deals with it. I mean, some people wake up depressed. Some people go through the day depressed. Some people go to bed at night with depression. It's a way of life. And I want, us to, remind, I want to remind all of us today, listen very carefully, that depression is no respecter of persons. doesn't matter who you are. It affects older people. It affects younger people. It affects poor people. It affects rich people. It affects lost people. It affects saved people. It affects all of us. Now, here's the thing. I'm not even halfway through with part one and our time is moving forward. And I think perhaps I need to pause it right here. There's so many scriptures that I want to give you today. I just don't see it possible. But I want you to understand something as my musicians come forward. I want you to understand something. That depression, it's not something that God is doing to you. Satan, the enemy, will use fear to come against you. But I remind you of this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And let me remind you of something else. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says this, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you this, because I have the Holy Spirit, I am sealed until the day of redemption. Where I go, he will go. What I face, he will face. What I experience, he will not let me experience it until it first passed through his hands. In our Wednesday night Bible study, I'm going to be bringing this up, but listen very carefully. The devil could not afflict Job until Job, the Bible says, until God removed the hedge. When God removed the hedge, he looked at Satan. Because you see, Satan could not afflict him unless God had approved it. God said, listen, okay, you say he'll do this, he'll do that. Satan said, oh yeah, he'll do that. In fact, if you just let me have him long enough, I will get him to curse your name and he will want to die. God said, that won't, that's not true. Satan said, let me have him for a little while. God said, okay. Satan said, right now, I cannot afflict him because of this hedge that you have put around him. But God, if you remove this hedge, if you take this hedge from him, God said this, I'll take the hedge from him, Satan, but you cannot kill him. 
You see, what, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this, that before Satan could put the affliction on Job, it first had to go through the hands of God. God saw it, God permitted it, and God ultimately protected it. And so whatever you're going through today, remember this, that whatever affliction Satan comes to us with, using the artillery of fear, Remember, God's got a hedge of protection on you. And the Bible talks about this. And let me say this. It does not have to swallow you to defeat. There are ways to navigate through it. Medical ways, spiritual ways. There are things that will get you through this. God's word speaks about it. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.